It's the end of the month, which means it's time for a media spotlight. I can't recall now if I've talked about this at length before, but one of the ways to describe a wife's role for her husband is to liken her to a window pane. And we take this analogy from the example of the Blessed Mother. The deepest and most authentic beauty is to be found in the perfect fulfillment of the specific purpose of any given thing. And a window pane is a perfect example. The purpose of a window pane is not to draw attention to itself, but to make visible what is beyond the walls of the house. It's not made to be looked at, but looked through. And the Blessed Mother made visible to humanity what is beyond the confines of this earth by existing only to make God visible through herself. Each wife is to be for her husband what the Blessed Mother was for all of humanity. Each wife is to be a window for her husband to make heaven visible to him through herself. This month's media spotlight is on the book, The Anti-Mary Exposed, Rescuing the Culture from Toxic Femininity by Carrie Grass. And one of the passages which I've shared from this book is the description of the Jezebel spirit, an anti-Marian spirit. And I want to read that passage again now. Quote, a richer description of the manipulation of a Jezebel spirit includes confusion intimidation, draining the opposition through argumentation, refusing facts, changing the subject when proven wrong, blaming others for her faults, use of pseudo-friendships to acquire favors and accrue power, and eventually conquering the opposition through destruction and betrayal. I want to dissect this quote a little more intensely than when I first shared it a few weeks ago, looking closely at the tools that the Jezebel spirit is said to employ and some common ways in which each of these tools can manifest in a wife. So then, number one, confusion. We just spent three episodes in our series, Allergies and Addictions, on confusion, how a wife confuses her husband by at first being happy to focus on his good qualities, and then as time goes on, shifting her focus to his faults, which were always there, but which she previously chose to overlook. Or the confusion caused by an overly helpful wife overextending herself into tasks which are properly a husband's and then down the road getting angry or resentful when her husband isn't stepping up to take over those tasks which she was previously happy to handle for him. Or even just the simple example of complaining, which as we stated in episode 7 is not a valid form of communication. Complaining doesn't tell our husband what we want, what will actually make us happy. It just confuses him. It's a mind game that women play. Number two, intimidation. Anytime that a woman attempts to use an aggressive mood to get a man to do something, she's using intimidation. It might be slamming doors, it might be banging pots and pans in the kitchen, 
It might be actually raising her voice at him, making threats, threatening to leave, threatening to throw him out of the bedroom, threatening to embarrass him in front of his family or friends, his colleagues, or his kids. Number three is draining the opposition through argumentation. Pretty straightforward. Anytime a wife starts an argument, anytime a wife can't let an argument go, anytime a wife insists on having the last word. Number four, refusing facts. This is so common. The facts that wives are most commonly known to reject are the facts regarding their choices. You can choose to be happy, you can choose joy, you can choose to be grateful. What do women say? I can't help being angry. I can't help being bitter. I can't help being resentful. I can't possibly trust him. I have nothing to be grateful for. All lies. Number five, changing the subject when proven wrong ties right in with number three, draining the opposition through argumentation. Women will change the subject if they feel that their husband is gaining the upper hand rather than admit that they are wrong and that their husband is right or at least has a point. Blaming, sorry, number six, blaming others for her faults ties right in with refusing facts at number four, refusing to take radical responsibility for her own actions and her own choices. Number seven, use of pseudo-friendships to acquire favors and accrue power. How many wives get in with certain people and use them against their husbands? Talking to his friends or his family members about his faults so that they might see her plight and take her side and back her up in reprimanding her husband. And finally, number eight, conquering the opposition through destruction and betrayal. A few weeks ago, we shared the data point that 69% of divorces are initiated by women. These being in nonviolent situations. And further expounded that a wife who has previously behaved in a saintly manner does not suddenly initiate a mortal sin against her marriage. And therefore, a woman who initiates divorce has undoubtedly committed many mortal sins up until that point against her marriage, which has disposed her to turn her back on God and her husband. And each of those sins against her marriage, whether mortal or venial, was a betrayal. Each of those sins against her marriage furthered the destruction of her marriage. Now, I go through these tools which are employed by the Jezebel spirit and talk about how they manifest in a wife because we need to understand that these behaviors are not merely undesirable or annoying, but that they are actually diabolical. The Jezebel spirit, this book tells us, is one of the five most common and also most difficult demons that exorcists encounter in their work. This description of the Jezebel spirit comes from the testimonies of demons as they are being exorcised. So again, when we see these behaviors in a wife, these are not merely annoying little tendencies. These behaviors are indicative of a very serious and very dark influence fighting to take hold of that woman. And if to you this seems harsh, we have to consider the gravity of the wife's mission as that crystal clear window pane. The success of her mission is dependent on her purity and her consistency, on the spotlessness of the window pane. 
we know that the smallest spot of dirt on a window pane draws the eye and is a constant distraction from what is beyond the window. When you leave a spot of dirt on a window, your eye is drawn to that spot every time you look at the window. You can't unsee it. And if the eye is drawn to something on the window pane, then the whole purpose of the window pane is ruptured for that moment. Because if you aren't looking beyond the window pane, then it might as well be a brick wall. Now what happens when it's not just one tiny spot, but lots of spots, and they start accumulating, they start building up, and then you stop wanting to look through the window because it's useless. Its purpose has been utterly compromised, and it's ugly. That is exactly what happens to a woman who commits sin after sin against her marriage. Woman's calling is a high calling. It is a call which demands the highest ideals from woman. It is a a call which can bring her to heaven. It is a call by which she can be sanctified. It is enough. She doesn't have to have a career on top of everything. She doesn't have to volunteer at a dozen local charities on top of everything. She doesn't have to start and run a small business out of her home on top of everything. All of these other things might be wonderful. But just to be a wife is enough. There is enough to be done as a wife by which sainthood can be gained. It is enough. And so when we speak of toxic feminism, we have to start understanding this term toxic and hearing it for what it is, equating it with what it really means which is diabolical, toxic, poisonous. It can put a woman in hell and many others with her because of the great influence with which God has gifted every woman. If there is a book that I would beg every listener to read, it would be this book. And the joke is on me because my mom has been telling me to read it. It came out three years ago now. And honestly, it can be a very depressing read. Why would I beg other women to read it? Because not only does it outline very clearly what toxic feminism looks like, but in so doing reveals how deeply it has its claws, not only in my generation, but in the generations of my parents and my grandparents. It reveals how the negative cycles that we wives find ourselves in are the cycles that began generations before us. We have to understand the magnitude of what we are up against in order to combat it with the fierceness that this fight deserves from us. This last quote is from chapter 7 of this book. Again, it's the anti-Mary exposed, rescuing the culture from toxic femininity. And I sincerely hope that it captures everything that we're trying to share through this podcast. Quote, Her strength is in her capacity to get her will out of the way and allow the will of her beloved father to shine through her. The real power to bring order, love, And a true icon of God is found in the surrender. End quote. 
thank you so much ladies for joining us for our sixth month of the will to wife podcast and i hope that i hope every listener reads this book the anti-mary exposed by carrie grass god bless and we'll see you in february thank you so much for joining us you can find all the quotes and resources referenced in today's episode on our website. We'd love to hear from you, and we're looking forward to having you with us again next week on the Will to Wife podcast. Mm-hmm.